0: Alright, so welcome to Leader Games Studio Cast. I'm Clay, and today I'm here with Patrick Leader, Founder and Creative Director of Leader Games. And we're also joined by Cole Worley, Lead Game Designer for Root. Uh, And today we're going to talk about Root Underworld. So Patrick, tell us just a little bit about it. How did Root Underworld kind of take
1: shape? So Root Underworld is uh, an expansion that we're uh, producing that we'll start a Kickstarter for on March 14th. It involves two factions, the Crows and the Moles. The faction mostly started with me drawing out fan maps uh, for the game. Okay. And uh, I, started, I started drawing two maps. I had some concepts like for a slightly variant mechanics on how the map would work. And I drew in those maps and started playtesting with those uh, as far as the factions go, I was looking at other people's fan factions on BGG, and mm-hmm. I thought, oh, it's really cool. It's, and it's kind of easy to design. Not easy, but it's kind of like there's, there's a nice groove to fit new material into Root with. Sure. And so I started working on the Crows for fun during some high-stress times that we had during the Mysterious Manor development. At mm-hmm. night, I could work on the Crows and I, I got this concept of salting or attacking other players hands and so i worked i started working on the crows with that premise that they put black cards in other players hands to harm them and went from there when we started to get the idea that we were going to do even do an expansion cole came to my desk and said i absolutely positively have to have a core faction um mm-hmm. otherwise he wouldn't let me do it and he knocked me to the floor. No, that's not true. <laughs> and um, it was that, no. Was it leg wrestling or? Yeah, yeah it was leg wrestling. Yeah, yeah was... and uh, and so I, I started to work on a faction that uh, had a lo- had a high unit, high building density. Kind of went from there. I okay. Kind of wanted a hybrid of the cats and the birds with the cats like building of infrastructure versus the birds' momentum, mm-hmm. and you have to decide between the two as you as you play. And I think we fit that pretty nicely. Cool.
0: All right, so I heard that in the expansion there's going to be a new deck. So Cole, tell us just a little bit about that. What was kind of the inspiration for
2: the new deck? So this has been an interesting expansion because we, after we rounded out root last spring with six factions, it just it all it just feels like a lot of material. In the same way that now having finished the new vast game. I cannot imagine anybody wanting any more Mysterious manner content mm-hmm. because there's so much. And so root had that similar kind of fullness. But there was something about watching all those factions churn out in the late summer and early fall. Um, and I, I could see sort of it animating Patrick. Um, but I yeah. was, at that time, I was uh, sort of snowed in with uh, vast Mysterious manner work and we were finishing the development. And I was trying to think about something that I could contribute to it without having to draw up a full faction. And so mm-hmm. when I backed out and thought about Root, um, one of the things that I've learned a lot about in, over the course of the development of TMM was about designing uh, sort of special power cards. Okay. And cards that really change how the rest of the game is played. Yeah. It's always been a place that I've been kind of weak at because I focus mostly on systems when I do design. And that's why the base uh, deck and root is it's conservative by nature. The different like there are no game breaking powers in it, right. and I erred always on the side of not sort of knocking over the apple cart. But after Mysterious Manor, I started thinking a little bit differently about the deck in base root, and I didn't want to provide like sub in cards because I didn't want folks to get a sense that like there was a better version of the root deck that we were going to kind of slowly update yeah instead this was clearly like a different flavor of play and so it occurred to me that i was thinking a lot about the kind of standard i can't remember the name of it but the standard deck in cosmic encounter which includes all the flare cards which is this wonderful way that even if you're only playing with like four different aliens in cosmic encounter all of the crazy powers can kind of sneak in Mm -hmm. through that deck and so i was thinking okay well what if There was a root deck with a similar kind of ethos that was built around wild exceptions and strange powers. And it kind of took some of the asymmetry of the other players and let the players uh, draft sort of Mm -hmm. new and strange capabilities over the course of the game. Uh, So, for instance, a player can unlock the Woodland Alliance's combat power. And it's difficult to unlock it. And it might have a drawback associated with it too. But it can open up whole new uh, sort of zones of strategy.
0: Sounds like that'll create some really memorable experiences while you're playing too.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things that Root is always skirting, and this is something that I really admire about both of Patrick's factions, is they look at the weird sections of the game and they push them out just a little bit more. Like, I loved the idea of these sort of like deep state crows like infiltrating people's hands uh-huh. and then really like pushing... Like sort of having your hand taken ransom by another player is a really wonderful experience. Um,
0: I don't know about that. Being on the receiving end of that, uh, (laughs) holding someone else's (laughs) hand ransom is a wonderful. It's fun as the yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, No, it's it's a really cool. All right, so Patrick, I wanted to ask you. So you 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 hinted a little bit about some new boards. Like, tell us about those boards. Like,
1: what what are they? What kind of strategy does it add to the game, or strategy choices? And oh, sure. So we're adding writing one map is the lake map and the lake map is a collection of 12 clearings like the other two maps uh, that are interconnected instead mm. of having a lot of connections across the center of the map there are no connections across the center of the map except for this giant lake and the lake connects four of the clearings together cross it you have to use a barge there's only one barge piece and if your warriors take the barge they actually move it to the clearing that they're going to cool and you can you can't the lake unless you're in the clearing with the barge so there's hopefully a little bit of contention about the barge during the game if the otters are in the game you take you remove the barge from play and then the otters just sell the service of moving across the lake mm-hmm. and the otters themselves of course can move across the lake when they want to the other map is quite a bit tighter than the w- winter map i would say like it has, yeah. a, it has a lot less uh, connections between the between the clearings it's a it's a map built inside of a mountain pass. All of it culminates in there's one clearing in the center that you, you will have to get from the east to the west side of the board. You will have to go through that clearing at some point. you got to go through the mountain pass. You have to go through the mountain cool. pass. Ownership of the pass is worth a point at the end of each turn. In addition, you can pay cards during your turn to cut out. There's additional paths you can cut out and then the map starts to open up as you as you uh, release new paths. Oh, from, cool. from the game. So vagabond can also interact with those paths and uh, spend a torch and a hammer I believe to open up a path and get a point for doing that too. So there's there's a little bit more for the vagabond to do. but that is offset by the fact that the vagabond can ever rule the
2: mine or the pass and get good points for ruling the path so sure. Yeah so well, one thing I like about both of the designs as they are now is like the original map, They can be played from any of the four corners. So you're really getting kind of like four different uh, layouts with each map. And like the winter board, uh, they're going to have variable clearing markers. So there's just like tons of new map combinations. Yeah, that's really going
0: to create a lot of new variety in the game. I just can't wait to dig into that. So Cole, would you say that the route is balanced?
2: I mean, it, it depends. It depends on what you mean by that, right? Like everybody... It's an asymmetric game, so mm-hmm. all the rocks on the scales are different, funny, strange shapes. Right, and playing root well means creating a game that isn't balanced. It's a game that you win, and that where you are more strong, where you are stronger than the other players. Mm-hmm. Um, so balance. I think that the central drama of the game is how the game finds its balance and which player it ends up being kind of imbalanced for. Sure. And and that's, that's the whole, that's the story. Everything kind of derives from that tension. Now, the other kind of way to take that question is to just think about the sort of opportunity for victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- it isn't perfectly distributed across the different factions. Uh, when we started pulling data about this, especially as the plays went from outside of our studio to... Lots and lots and lots of people playing. Yeah, uh, there are certain favorites. I mean, I think the Vagabond probably still has like a slight edge on the numbers. But if I look at the different victory chances, there the factions in Root are far more in parity than uh, contenders in Street Fighter Two. Yeah, like, I, I I don't really I don't really think of the game as having like many different tiers in terms of like who's a tier one pick or a tier two pick. Right. There might be two tiers, but I wouldn't go any farther than that. Uh, and, and it's funny, you know, I sometimes I think probably the Cats. Uh, have the most difficult time winning Mm -hmm. but i think that that makes them one of our interesting factions to play they have so many hard choices and with an experienced group their numbers tend to come up as they start going for more dominance wins and realizing that you know a dominance victory for instance is the kind of thing that seems like game breaking and unconventional yeah but it's a part of the game and it's a part that the cats are well equipped to take advantage of. So in terms of the job, ge- I'm really happy with where the general balance is. I think once we made a few of those adjustments over the winter, like it really put the game like in mm-hmm. the right weight that allowed us to add content without Worrying about uh, the, the the ship, it feels really well ballasted right now.
0: Yeah, what were the balance adjustments? Just so people kind of
2: sure. So we've made these available on our uh, on our website, and you, you can you can download the, the PDF. They're also on uh, Board Game Geek. Uh, they're very small. The total r- rule, like the word count that was changed, is about like twenty words in mm-hmm. the whole rule book. Uh, basically, the Woodland Alliance victory points got very slightly reduced. The Vagabonds victory points for infamy, which is where the vagabond becomes hostile to the other clearings. Sure. those got adjusted just a little bit so that they only basically they only score on the vagabond's turn. and then the lizards got a couple of adjustments to make them a little stronger because I even though I rather liked the like very weird sickly weak <laughs> lizards, uh, players wanted them to have a little bit more of a punch and just a couple small adjustments to how they uh, draw a real cards fixed up.
0: Yeah that sounds great so patrick what do the crows symbolize in the
1: game like what do they symbolize and, and what, what's it like playing the crows to me they're like an old espionage novel or an, an old espionage movie ah like, the like, espionage aspect Ice cool. movie yeah and so they they kind of represent this like this fifth column of warriors of, of like you know trying to manipulate the other players to give them points I, you know, Cole might disagree with what they represent. No, no, <laughs> I, I, think
2: that's, I think that's right. And also, you know, the there's a lot of space for, like, for representational ambiguity, right? Like sure. They, they can be different. It's funny. Sometimes people will read, like, the Woodland Alliance as Marxists, and other times it's like, no, they're, they're just, like you know, the, 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 they'll spin it to some different like geopolitical... Right. <laughs> it's come it's up like with it, there doesn't yeah. have to be one. I think, no, I, I think that that's right. The, at least that's what it feels like when I play the crows. I mean, yeah. like one of the, so the, the crows, you know, you're, you're seeding, you're putting these bad cards in other people's hands and one one of the, the more hilarious things about this is you're creating these like secret relationships where mm-hmm. the person you just gave the card to looks at you and they know what you know and you know what they know and everybody else at the table has to like be uncomfortable with this relationship that's just been built out. right yeah yeah
1: yeah it'd be interesting if more of the cards buffed instead of yeah yeah, then and yeah, then so then, yeah well, maybe we will try that sometime
0: yeah the crows in my mind just create a lot of really cool player
1: interaction situations mm-hmm. yeah uh, and that's yeah that's what the game's about right yeah
2: and it's and i would say too like where you were saying earlier patrick that the, the moles are in this kind of like half cat half bird category mm-hmm. in terms of their mechanisms. The Crows, to me, feel like a very different and fresh riff on like the space the Woodland Alliance is in. Mm-hmm. You can still have them both in the same game. like That's completely fine. Mm-hmm. But they're also like, if you play the Woodland Alliance, you're like, well, this isn't exactly how I imagined my Rebellion would play out. Like The Crows are probably going to be there for mm-hmm.
0: that. Okay. Yeah. Cole, what would you say is right now, in your mind, the best part about this new expansion?
2: I have really been enjoying the the fact that the moles offer a pretty big counterweight to the cats Mm -hmm. creates like so often uh, games of root, like the central drama is like, how is the war between the cats and the birds playing out? And now that you can sub the moles in for that, it just like multiplied. I mean, I mean, it just, yeah, it completely blows the door open. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's almost like in a different category of like how many different combinations they can be. And so a lot, so to me, like one of my favorite things about this is the two player dynamic We really are trying to make sure the moles have a very good game against the cats Mm -hmm. because there were a lot of people who wanted more out of the two-player route. And so, like, in development, we've been playing a lot of two-player, and it's starting to really, really shine. Cool. Um, And then I think, you know, as as the different two-player combinations are working out well, we're also trying to build up more three-player combinations that can, of course, seed larger games, but also just open up the space of the game. So you don't always get stuck with, like, well, it's a bird-cat, X. Like yeah. now there are some new ways to kind of imagine those early games.
0: So Patrick, when you first started kind of designing this expansion, kind of thinking about it, did you have any design goals in mind or kind of something you were looking to achieve for the, for
2: the design? <laughs> <laughs> Just having fun. <laughs> well, that was a funny thing about this a little bit, right? Like it, it started so innocently, or not innocently, but like you were yeah. working on it yeah. because it was fun to work on. But it didn't have like a grand, like this wasn't a high concept. No,
0: no, we, you know, like
2: yeah. Like there was a, there was no moment where we had a meeting where we were like, you know, it's twenty nineteen. There must be new Ro- root product. Yeah, it was no, like no. you were working on it, and then it was good, and people wanted it, and so like the, the various things were, were lining up. Where mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it, it 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 didn't feel, you know, like w- with the design of root, like Patrick provided me a, con- a concept. But it was like the game has to be done. We have to we have to get it. You know, yes we, we, we so we, we were building schedules but we were under the the pressure of like this is the next project uh-huh. and with the root expansion it's it's been a different kind of pressure because it's like it's been fun I think for everybody in the studio to work on this but it hasn't I realize it's a company podcast and of course we're gonna say <laughs> that but it's also like true like there are other things that we could have done but this one seemed yeah I', I like do. fun to work on
1: I in fact' our March 14th day like, start date like we were like do could we go earlier yeah. or could we go later you know and yeah. later has been like of course we could have done later we, we could have waited i think i feel like we were i'm just trying to maintain fan satisfaction a little bit right by picking march 14th i think we could have I
2: yeah think we could have uh waited more yeah time. the amount of people who are like they, they want a box with like 10 new all the fan factions just yeah. put them in a box and just, i mean the the there's a lot of folks who want more content and it's like we happen to have it right now. Yeah. So it's
1: yeah, it's a good it's a good time to start. I, and we're, you know, I'm Cole and I are both working on larger designs in mm-hmm. the in studio right now.
0: I was planning on maybe during this public podcast to ask you to what you were working on. To try to dig these secrets out and give some little (laughs) clues for everyone. Uh, I can just say that both Patrick and Cole are working on some really cool games behind the scenes. So I can't wait for the future. Also, I want to mention that it is late February here in Minnesota. And we're coming off a record-breaking amount of snowfall. And it's snowing another inch or two right now out there. So it is a perfect time for us to hold in and work on game design and game development. So we've been doing that and just having a blast working on this new route expansion. Patrick, what would you say, uh, expansion or no expansion, what is your favorite faction and route to play and why?
1: I like playing the otters a lot because I like the like the kind of, especially in four or five player, I like the the... The trading metagame you really have to focus on and, and pay mm-hmm. attention to what the other players are doing um and i i still really enjoy i during the core testing of the core game i was the kind of the vagabonds are like i i did mm-hmm. most of the i sat in most of the games as the vagabond we kind of we tried to stick to one faction each when we were testing to keep the comments consistent like mm-hmm. so we'd understand the changes and talk about that and so i i played the vagabond during that period of time and I've, I've always really enjoyed playing the vagabond a yeah lot. i like the freedom i like the i like the kind of the three paths you get to pursue to victory and, and how are you are going to mix them up and how, when you're going to make a break for for the end game and i like those decisions and i think the vagabond has to really you can live without paying attention to the board state for sure but i think a good vagamon player will be paying attention to the board state and and playing the other players correctly, and I think that's that's a lot of fun for me. Sure. So the same with the otters, right? I mean, you 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 really your prices have to reflect what the other players are willing to pay for them, and to to know what they're going to pay, you have to be really ready to pay attention to what the other players are doing. So. Yeah. How about you, Cole? Do you have a favorite faction you like to play? I,
2: so lately, I've been playing a lot of the cats, but last like last night, uh, Nick and I played a bunch of cats versus moles games, mm-hmm. and it is such a mean two-player game where both of them have huge scoring potential if they're left just a little unchecked. And so, and also both of them are, are uncomfortable in an aggressive posture. And sure. so I was like digging tunnels as close to the keep, as close to as good buildings as I could. And both of us were just t- kind of tied up. And I, so I, I really like the moles. They bring nice. uh, a really cool, aggressive element to the game. And I think... They they change how you have to think about distance on the board because they can sort of they're both slow and fast. They can kind of jump around, Um, and so they they might. I could see the the moles, especially after you know another hundred games of testing or something, really kind of emerging as a favorite faction. I really like them.
0: Great, aw, Patrick.
1: What is Molopolis? (laughs) So the uh, one of the concepts of the moles is that they add a. 13th clearing to the play space Uh, and molopolis is this special clearing you say yes (laughs) it's a special clearing that stays off the board adjacent to the mole board and whenever the moles get reinforcements they recruit they go into molopolis and then the mole player can move them off molopolis to the board molopolis is adjacent to all tunnel tokens which are uh, a type of token the moles can put into the into the clearings and so they can travel, you know, from Malopolis to the board or vice versa. They could. I don't think many people do that, but you could go back to Malopolis. I did last uh, night, and then head I out to another why. place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and I, as the moles become a little bit more mobile during testing, I think you might see more of that sort mm-hmm. of play. So, otherwise, the clearing is doesn't have a color, uh, and you can't build there. Uh, yeah, well, maybe I'll think about that. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Cole, do you have any, uh, could you tell us about any cards in the new deck? Do you have any like ideas mm-hmm. or like kind of, kind of do a spoiler yeah, of this. one or yeah. two cards so, uh, or something? Or? I do.
2: I do. Have a, I have, I have a few. So I have, um, basically the, the way this deck construction has gone is I mapped out all of the existing improvements. I kind of like went back to those design documents and then I created a list of all the factions in existence currently and all their special powers. So the things I thought they did that were remarkable that kind of like pushed the, the game. Cool. And so the question is then, how do you fold that power into an improvement? And sometimes that, you know, and then what cost would you put that power? So like the field hospitals, great power for the cats. But, and, and it's going to be the kind of thing that is probably going to be in that deck as an ability that can be crafted. There are weird tensions to this, though, because certain factions craft a lot more easily. Mm-hmm, so, for yeah. example, like the Wood of the Alliance can craft quite easily, uh, but by pricing it differently, you can make, you, you can kind of adjust it, right? So, for example, the the various improvements that would affect warriors, things like the field hospitals, are going to have costs that the Vagabond can't craft, right? Sure. So, there'll definitely be a field hospital card, Um there's, there's definitely going to be, like, a pro- I'm working on the Propaganda Bureau right now, which allows people to uh, convert and re- and, and, re- and replace enemy warriors, like the Lizard Scan, mm-hmm, cool. anywhere on the board. That one is is, is tricky. The, the, the thing is, a lot of these are going to have synergies where if you get two or three or four of them together, you're really, really, really strong. And I think I've just, as much as possible, want to lean into that strength. Because crafting is a thing that is almost always telegraphed and projected, uh, and players can deal with it, and then I'm trying to figure out right now. I think one of the big questions of the design, from my perspective, is the degree to which I need to create crafts that will destroy other crafts or mm-hmm. inhibit them. Interesting. Yeah. So that there's there are counters built in within within the, the, the deck as well. Wow. So, I well, believe
1: we've also talked about tweaks to the domination
2: yeah, cards. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I think that that is, the, that is that is a persistent question. I, I think that there are there are room for different kinds of dominance. Victory's victory in. cards as well i'm not quite sure what to do about it yet but I, I like that space and you don't want like 12 dominance cards
1: in the deck at when you start the game it might be a <laughs> right bit, yeah it might be a little yeah. bit much yeah so okay
0: well from what both of you two are talking about i myself can't wait to play some root underworld that sounds really cool to be playing the crows and, and kind of messing with people's hands and molopolis and kind of moving through those tunnels and kind of popping up that just sounds great Root Underworld is going to be on Kickstarter on March 14th, so be sure to check that out. And if you just want to find out more information about it, be sure to just go to leadergames.com. And the next convention we'll be at is PAX East in Boston. So if you're going to be in that area, stop by and say hi to us at our booth. Uh, We look forward to the future with Root Underworld. Thanks,
1: Clay.